when I was uh, preparing this week, I came across an old story I'd read many, many years ago. A story about uh, a man named Sven and his wife, Heidi. Um, they were good Christian people um, and went to church regularly. Uh, the problem is their marriage was tough, and it seemed like they were always fighting, always having conflict, always having difficult times. And, uh, and Heidi was just fed up with it all. They'd go to church on Sunday. They'd sit together in Sunday school, and, and then in church, they'd sit in the choir, and they'd be part of the church choir, and, and then they'd go home and fight. And then the whole week, they'd fight off and on, and then the cycle would happen again. And, and uh, she tried to find some solutions, and Sven didn't seem to be interested in that. And, and finally, she sat him down and said, Sven, we've got, we've got to figure this out. She says, I've been thinking about this, and I've been praying about this, and I have a solution. She says, what, what I've decided to do is that you and I have to agree that we will start praying, and this is what we'll pray. We'll pray that the Lord takes one of us home. And, and, and so uh, what I want to do is you pray that and I'll pray that. And, 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 and we, we believe in the Lord, so he's going to answer our prayer. And he'll take one of us home. And then I'll go live, live with my sister. <laughs> I, I came across another story. I think it's a, a little bit funny. Um, a lady had, uh, had, had lost her husband and... Uh, and, and she, she was putting together the tombstone. I don't know if you ever had to do that. And, and you know, the name and dates and all of that. And wanted a little thing on the bottom. And, and finally she said, she says, I can't decide. Do I put at the bottom, rest in peace? Or do I put until we meet again? And she says, I could, couldn't decide what to do. And she was sharing it with a friend. And she says, well, they're both good phrases. Put them both on. So she went to the stone man, and he cut them in and put them on and set them up. And about a week later, she went out to the grave and to visit. And she looked at this beautiful stone and all the beautiful carving. And then the bottom said, rest in peace until we meet again. <laughs> Just wait. It'll get you. <laughs> we have, if you're visiting with us, we have been looking at, at the book of First of Peter. It was interesting when I first began because I've I, I preached from Paul's letters so much and, and I thought, well, Peter's not going to be as, as hard. Like he's a fisherman, he's Mr. Practical. But I've been amazed at the intensity of what he has been preaching up to us about. Um, very, very um, uh, strong messages of, of how we should live and how we should walk as Christians. If you remember, we have been looking at, at, a, at, a, at a model that Peter developed in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he identified Christ as our cornerstone upon which everything is built and everything rests. It's our salvation. And then he described you and I as living stones, a, a house of God, a holy temple, and that we have been built and made this temple that is living in this world. And, and, and with that, we have become a royal priesthood, God's servants, God's representative, serving him on this earth. Now, surrounding this whole understanding is a concept that, that we, are, we are 
citizens of heaven, no longer citizens of this earth. Although we may have a Canadian citizenship, our home is in heaven. In heaven. Our family, God's family, is in heaven. And we are here temporarily as ambassadors to represent him as high priests. Now, as we started to go through that, we, we looked at how Peter moved from that model to say, so if you are ambassadors, how do you respond to the government? If you are ambassadors and you're an employee, how do you respond to that? And today, we're looking at the last two illustrations he looks at, saying, if you are an ambassador living in this world, how are you to deal with one another as a husband and a wife and as a church community? I don't even know if I'm going to get through all of this because it, it, it's so loaded with stuff. But, but I, I, I want to make a little footnote before we start at all. You've got to be careful that you don't get reactive in this passage. Because there's different words and different phrases that Peter has put in that in that culture, in that time, would have been easy. But as we read it, there are different people that will react. For instance, ladies, we're going to talk about a word for you to be submissive. Twice he, he talks about that. Ladies, he's going to talk and describe you as the weaker vessels. And let, just wait, wait till I kind of uh, explain what he means by that. But he's looking at marriage. As you take the passage and break it in parts, there's kind of three parts. The first is he talks to wives specifically. Then he talks to husbands. Then he talks to the community, the Christian church that, that is in, in each of these locations and each of these places. So husband, wives, husbands, and their relationship. And then them living in Christian community together. How do, how do we do that? Now, this does get intense. As I started to walk it through, I started to realize one of the problems I have even in trying to teach you and preach to you on this topic is we're loaded with so many teachings from other stuff. For instance, Paul's writings. When, when I first began in ministry, you would see this kind of picture all over the place. It's a picture of hierarchy, and, and it's a picture of the family the family unit. And if you saw it described, of course, Christ is, is overall everything, but the husband, and you'll use this phrase, is the head of the home, and then the wife is under him, submissive under him, and then the children are under her. Now, I don't know if you believe this model or not. It's interesting because I, would, I will watch, and you could go on the internet pretty easily, look up this kind of picture, and you'll find that these scholars, whoever they are, start to put all kinds of things under, under each of the categories. For instance, husbands have to be providers and protectors. Where, where, do, where do you find that? not saying it's wrong, but where do you find that in Scripture? So I started to step back, and as we started to pray through it, I, I knew I needed to footnote a couple things before we start looking at Peter. Otherwise, Paul's teaching, excuse this expression, will bleed into Peter's and distort what we're thinking about or what Peter has to say to you and me today. So let me remind you of a couple things Paul says. The first thing he, he talks about often is wives need to submit to their husbands. Now, this is repeated in Colossians and in Ephesians. And ladies, just hold on. We're going to get to this in a little bit more detail. But let me notice, note two things about this that I find really fascinating. In, in, in 
both these passages, it's not just the word submit, but it's explained what submitting does. Submitting in Ephesians says, as to the Lord. So uh, you are, uh, as you submit, you, you're not doing it to another person. You're doing it to the Lord. You're doing it as a servant of the living God. Uh, Colossians, the same thing. As it is fitting in the Lord. So uh, the expression is, this word submitting is really rather fascinating because, because it's, it's not just, I want you to obey your husband. That's not what... He's saying, I want you to be in a certain way, in a certain style, after the example of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll get into this in a little while, but what's interesting in the Ephesian passage is that's one of the number one quoted. But if you go back to the original Greek, so the New Testament was written in Greek, and we've translated it into English. In the original Greek, that word submit is not there. They, they, they bring it in because of a previous verse, verse 21, and I'll get to, I'll get to that in just a moment. But it's, 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 it's this idea that, that women, you're, you're to submit. Now, men, this is what's also interesting to you. There's verses for you. Paul repeatedly talks to you men about loving your wives. Do not be harsh with them, he says in Colossians. As the Lord loves the church is the example in Ephesians. Now, I want to leave a question with you guys. Why is Paul always talking about you loving your, your wives? What, what, did, what was he seeing in the Christian church that, that, that he would say, you need to be reminded that you need to be lovers of your wife? And he's not just talking sexually. He's talking about how you treat them and how you, how you care for them and how you hold them. But the biggest issue that, you, that kind of bleeds into what we're looking at today is an issue called headship. Men are head of their wives just as Christ is head of the church. Now, notice that, first of all, it's not head of the family, it's head of his wives. Now, the problem with this word head is we have translated it into English, and the English carries a hierarchical kind of idea that you are to be the boss, the king, the, the one in charge. All of you have to have authority and decision-making and leadership and all of those things if you're going to be a good Christian husband, and wives need to submit under you. The problem with that is that's not what the word meant in the original Greek. The original word meant coming out of the husband, life coming out of the husband. It goes back to Genesis, and, and, and in Genesis chapter 2, God made Eve. How did he do it? He took a rib out of Adam and, and made Eve. Now, here's the par comparison. Love, or, uh, the men are ahead of their wives, just like Christ is the head of his church. How, did, how, did, how was Christ the head of his church? Well, he sacrificed it. Out, out, of, out of his death came the church. And so he's not talking necessarily about authority, but he's talking about you as men are called to be life givers of your spouses. You, you are to pour into them, to share with them, to give to them, to sacrifice for them so they can bloom and grow in the faith. But the reason I want to bring all of this up is when you get to Peter, you're going to hear the word submit. And Peter is not, let me say it again, he's not 
talking about these things. He's talking about something else. He's talking about what I want to suggest to you as being yoked. My grandpa made oxen yoke, actually. He, he grew up in an era that he would take his knife and, and he would carve and, and put together a yoke and, and he would, they would bring the two oxen in and my grandpa would, would measure them and shape them and each side of that yoke was designed for that oxen so that when they pulled, they could pull perfectly matched together. So why would Peter be interested in, in this illustration in marriage instead of these other things that Paul was talking about? Because that was the problem that they were dealing with in the church at that time. Let me take you back to Ephesians, Acts chapter 16. Paul is on his missionary journey. And I don't know if you remember, he's going and he wants to go north into, into an area. Actually, Peter's talking about even in his letter. But he wanted to go and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go. And, and finally, he was given this vision of a man in Macedonia calling. That's Greece. And, and so they got in a boat and they went over to, to, to Greece. They went up to the first place, the place called Philippi, to start a church. Now, what was interesting about that, Philippi was a Roman city. If you, if you were a Roman citizen and served in the army, it was a military city, you served in the army, when you retired, they would give you land and position or work in Philippi. And so Paul walks into the city, and the strategy is, let's find the Jewish community, let's go to their synagogue, let's tell them about Christ, and the church is birthed. But there's no synagogue. There's hardly any Jews. So what's Paul going to do? Well, Paul says, if that doesn't work, where do the spiritual people gather? Not the pagans who have their temples. Where do the truly spiritual believers gather? Well, they gather for prayer at the river. He goes down to the river, and there's a bunch of women there. And they're praying. And they're calling on to God. It seems there was no men. Now, there's a lady there, very rich, wealthy lady named Lydia. And, and eventually, she would allow her house to become the first house church in Philippi. Paul talks about Christ, leads him to the Lord, a church is birthed. But what happens here? You see, in the, in the, in the Greek and the Roman time, wives were quite restricted. Now, there was all other kinds of women, and we won't get into all of that, but if you were a, a man's wife, you, were, you had incredible restrictions on you. You, you. you couldn't necessarily go to the market alone. You weren't supposed to go to your house alone. You, did, you weren't invited to the, the public parties and celebrations. You were very restricted. Your role was to take care of the home and have children, except for one area. If you were a Gentile woman, Greek or Roman, you were allowed to have your own faith. And if it was different than your husband, so be it. And what we found has happened in this church, and this is why Peter is writing it, what has happened is, is in the, these early churches that they have planted, there's a whole bunch of women who have become believers who are devoutly following Jesus Christ, but their husbands are not. Paul calls it being unequally yoked. 
You could even see a picture of, of uh, this beautiful yoke and, and an ox is on one side and a donkey is on another. And if you try to put those two together to pull together, it wasn't working. It, it just caused all kinds of trouble. And Peter is writing about the struggle of these women who have, have, a, have a deep faith in Jesus Christ, but they have a, a husband who has no interest in that. Now, we could go back in his other ministries because Timothy's home was that way. His father wasn't a believer. And that produces a tension, a struggle. Now, some of you have known people like that, or maybe you're even one of those people, that, 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 that you have a deep belief in Jesus Christ, but you're sitting alone, or you're coming alone, or even when you're not alone, you, you know that even though he's come to church or she's come to church, that, that you're not yoked together because there's no faith in Jesus Christ. That makes it hard. And Peter is empathetic and understanding and loving to these people. Now, let me go a little further because I'm, I'm a pastor and I, you know, we get carried away sometimes. There is, there's these matches where the husband is not a believer and the wife is. That's an unequal yoke. I think sometimes in Christian homes, there's another kind of unequal yoke. Where, where one is spiritually passionate about Jesus Christ and obedient and growing and all of those things, and the other is passive spiritually. Ah, oh, they may go to church. Ah, oh, they may do this. Ah, oh, they may do that. But in terms of heartfelt conviction, they're unequal. They maybe have never asked Jesus into their heart and life. They may have never been baptized. They have don't go to a Bible study. They don't read the devotions. And, 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 and you can see the struggle in the marriage where there's this unequalness. Peter's writing to say, how do, how do you respond to that? Now, he's writing to women who have unsaved, but sometimes for some of you, it may be just the opposite. How do you invite that other person to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Now, as Peter starts to write, he starts to write and says to, to these women in, in, in this whole area of northern Turkey, this is what I would encourage you to do as you walk in your faith so that you may win your, house, your, your husbands or your spouse to the Lord. He breaks it down in, into three categories that these ladies can look at. And, and they're rather interesting because I have seen pastor after pastor take some of these, these things Peter said and rip them out of context and, and not really explain them at all. Let me put it into three parts. First part is he talks about wives being submissive. Now let me explain what that meant. Because we have been talking about submission for weeks now because Peter uses it very intentionally in a very specific way. For him, it's a choice. It's actually a military term that he uses where a soldier gets in line and a commander comes and gives an order. And, and, and so he's talking and, and you choose to place oneself under another. It's not that you have to. It's not that you're required to. It's that you choose to come under that, that, that person and submit yourself to that person's example. Now, the classic example is Jesus Christ himself, who submitting to the Father came down to this earth, who, who submitted as a servant and went to the cross to die for you and I. He didn't have to. He did it 
out of love and compassion, out of his free choice. Father didn't make him do it. He said, I, I see you, and I see you, and I see you, and I want to make it possible for you to be part of my kingdom and my family and have a relationship with you. Now, ladies, I don't want you to miss that point. What, I, what there's, Peter is saying when he is talking about submission is he's saying, I want you to submit to your husband just as the same way as Christ did. Otherwise, what I'm, he's calling you to be is Christ-like in how you live and act and function. That's what he's calling you to do as a servant of Christ. Now, he, he, he uses some interesting words. He says, let them see your purity, your holiness. You're, you're pushing aside and rejecting of sin. Let him see your reverence in your life, the, the respect, that ability to honor. And she, he says this, he says, as they start to see that, you will literally win them over without your words. Now, over the years, I've run into some individuals that needed to hear that. They figured if, if, if I nag him enough, if I, if I remind him enough, if, if I point out his problems enough, then, then he'll see his need for Jesus. I don't know about you. If anyone has ever done that to you, it kind of has this opposite effect of pushing away. And so, so Peter is saying to you, he's saying, this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to submit to them to treat them with honor and respect and love and cherish and obedience so that you may win them to Christ. Now, it's interesting where he goes next. He goes next to talk about beauty. Now, this is where some pastors go, wanko. See, in the, in the Roman world, in the Greek world, they were just like our world. The ladies loved to have their hair done. In fact, they, it, 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 we've been told as we look at archaeology uh, some interesting things that maybe you didn't know. Do you know what was the favorite color for women to dye their hair? And they dyed their hair? It was purple. Why? It just came back. Or, or do you, did you know that, that, the other, that often the women would wear wigs and they would go, they would send people, traders, all the way up to Scandinavia to get those blonde hair wigs from those Scandinavian girls and bring it all the way down so they could wear blonde hair as they walked through Greece and Rome. Women wore makeup, they wore jewelries, and they loved their new clothes. Now, I've heard preachers say, well, obviously you shouldn't do that. That's what Paul, Peter's saying. No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying you can, you, you can look beautiful, but let that not be your only interest. In fact, ladies, we have, some, we have a lot of beautiful ladies here, and I want to say enjoy this part of your life. You're really good at it. I came across this weird story this week. I don't know if it's true or not. It's, so it seems that there's this group called Single 
Singles Anonymous. It's a bunch of men who've got a little disenfranchised with marriage and women and all of that kind of thing. And so they've kind of anonymously got together to say, okay, we're going to protect each other so you don't get married. And, and so if you start dating, we, we will break that up for you or we'll help you stop doing that. And, and if you really fall in love, we'll take drastic steps to make sure you don't marry because that will just wreck your life. And one of the drastic steps they take is if a, a, a young man meets, meets this a beautiful lady and falls in love, they will, they will, he, they will say, well, wh why? Oh, she's so beautiful. She's got such a great personality and all that. And, and so these guys have actors, actresses hired, ladies who are 80 or 90 years old, all wrinkled. And, 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 and so they will send this actress to this man's house. And, and, and when he gets to the door, he'll open up, and she's standing there all wrinkled. She's taken out her teeth, and, 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 starts, and, 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 and she's got her hair all in curlers. I don't even know if any of you have curlers anymore. All of these curlers, and, and then this old house coat with coffee stains all over it, and then there will be a card that says, this is what she's going to look like in the future. That's just silly. God has given you beauty. Enjoy that. But Peter says, enjoy something more. What he says, there's the outward appearance was as good, but he says the inner appearance is even better. He says, if you're going to spend your time and energy, spend it on making yourself inner beauty beautiful. It will never fade. It will never get old. It, it will always shine through no matter what happens in your life. Let them see your passion for Jesus. Have you ever met someone, maybe up in years, who has this incredible passion for Jesus Christ? It just, it just bursts through. It's like, it's like light shining through them. Look at, he says, at the, your gentle spirit. He makes an interesting phrase. Ladies, I'll let you think about this. He says, and do what is right, but do not give her way to fear. I wonder why he'd underline that. Is there something in your life that you fear, that controls you, stops you from doing what the Lord would have you do or the Lord, how the Lord would have you function? So he says, ladies, I want you to submit, become Christ-like to your spouse. I want you to enjoy your beauty, but deepen and enrich your inner beauty. That's important. And he says, and always remember Sarah. Now, these are Jewish ladies. If they, if they say, let's go back to the very start of, our, of, our, of, of the Jewish nation, where do they start? Abraham and Sarah. And, and who's the woman to model off? It's Sarah. Now, I got to tell you, and I said this to the Bible study this week, <laughs> I paused here. It was like, Sarah? Sometimes she didn't have the greatest faith. Sometimes she manipulated things. Remember Hagar and Ishmael, all of that? But I, I'm not sure that's what they were. Peter's focusing on. Abraham is known as a man of faith, profound, intense faith, to the point of being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. He was a military 
he won incredible battles. He was a man who had this walk with God and this deep faith with God that God would come and visit him, especially the Sodom and Gomorrah story. But I got to tell you, this wasn't a perfect marriage. When it came to their marriage, he did some real bozo moves. Honey, when we go to Egypt, tell them you're my sister. When we go into King Abimelech's uh, city, tell them you're my sister. Both of those events, she obeyed him. There was something about her faith and obedience that she obeyed him and the consequences were placed on him when he sinned. Again, it's an example to wrestle through of what it means to submit to one's spouse as unto the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go deeper in that. I want to I go to husbands. I like picking on husbands way better. It's interesting because there's all these verses for women and then he gives us one verse for husbands. Watch this, gentlemen. He says this. Husbands, in the same way. Did you just notice that phrase? Otherwise, just like I told the women, true for you too, be considerate as you live with your wives. Considerate. Remember I asked the question, what does it mean to love your wives? And, and treat them with a respect, here we go, as the weaker partner. I'll get to that in a sec. And look at this as heirs with you on the gracious gift of life. Now that's really important. Because Peter is taking these wives in a culture where there's men and gods and women down here and slaves. And Peter is lifting those women up and saying, you are a co-heir, co you are equal heir to the kingdom of God just like you men. He's lifting the women up. And then he says this phrase, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Uh, let me break this apart a little bit better for you. I was reading about a guy this week who, who, uh, who was driving down a country road and came to one of these little, you know, these little bridges that, that sometimes in the country. And, and, and he came to this, this bridge and there was this sign, this yield sign. And, and, and he thought, well, this is a really narrow bridge. You can only have one car go across at a time. And, and so they, they have me stop so the other car can come across. And then when that's clear, then I'll go. Okay. So he, that's what he did. He stopped. And actually another car came across. And once it was clear, he went on his way. Came back several hours later. Same road, opposite direction. Comes to the bridge and gets there. And suddenly on the other end of the sign... The bridge is a sign that says yield. So yield, yield. Why do both of us have to yield? <clears throat> because that's when we are saved. Now let me give you a verse for both of us, men and women, to stew on a little bit. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 5. Remember where it says men or women, wives submit to your husbands? The verse before it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's not, Paul's not saying women submit, men don't. He's saying both of you are to submit before the Lord. Submit to who? One another. 
Have you ever met a man who lords it over his wife? Well, I'm head of this home. I'm in charge here. I'm the one that makes the decisions. I'm the one that makes the money. I pay the bills. Turn on this stuff. That's not the way Jesus functioned. You are to submit to one another. Why? Because you respect your Lord. He's, he, so he's starting that way. Then he gives some details. He says, be considerate to one another. Have you ever considered what your wife needs or wants? Do you even pay attention to that? You know, there's some of you guys that are really good at that. And you need to be... A, Commended. Others of you, it's like, whew, you just, it flies right over top of you. And, and, and when actually someone says it to you, it's like, really? I didn't know that. What is your wife needing from you? Secondly, you are to respect and honor them. Where did we hear that? Oh, yeah, wives were to respect. It's both ways. As fellow heirs, as kingdom's kids. And then Peter says, the weaker vessel. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that women are inferior or less important to God or, 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 or don't, aren't, aren't made as well and strong. It, it doesn't mean... It, I don't know if you've journeyed with women, but emotionally incredibly strong, way better than us men. They can go through things that we can't even imagine. Spo socially strong, spiritually just as strong as us. Some are suggesting what Peter's talking about is women's physical strength, that yes, the women are less physically, generally speaking, strong than men. That's true. I don't know if you've ever watch the transgender debate that's happening in our culture right now. These men are, are deciding they're women and jumping into the pools and lifting weights and, 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 and these women who have spent their whole life preparing for the Olympics can't go because some guy decided yesterday that he's changed his gender. Men are stronger. I want to suggest to you it's something even deeper than this. Let me look at this glass that I put up here. Gentlemen, what if today I gave each one of you this goblet? Now, I want you to look at it really close. Obviously, when you start to look at it, it's extremely valuable. It's a goblet that has been meticulously made with its, its incredible glass and all of that. It's, it's been, specific dyes have, have put into, and it's been outlined with gold. Now, as you're holding it, I look at you and say, do you, do you know that's really valuable? And, and the person says, yeah, so? Well, just so you know, if you drop it, It'll cost you a million dollars. What? <laughs> and you're suddenly holding it really careful and, 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 and putting it really close, close so you can't drop it and shatter it. God is saying to you men that you have a weaker vessel. Translated, God has given you this incredible 
incredibly beautiful, wonderful, delicate, special partner. She is a princess of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. She can talk to God in heaven and call him Father as he sits on the throne. That's who you've been entrusted with. How are you treating her? You have this goblet's like, I don't, I don't ever want to drop this. Dropping her. That's Peter's idea, I believe. So commit to submit to one another. Treat your partner with consideration and respect as equals. Now watch this. And when that happens, there so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That word hinder is a really interesting one. It's it it's it's do you, do you remember hearing about wars and, and as, they, as, as they would come to a river these, to stop the enemy from advancing, they would blow up these, these bridges so that you just couldn't get across that river. Well, that, that's, the, that's what this word hinder means. It, it's to cut or to interrupt or to stop. As you submit to her, as you treat her as, as sacred and special, God's child, then your prayers will no longer be hindered. Your spiritual life will no longer be hindered. Are there, is there a spiritual hindering in your spiritual life because there's unforgiveness towards your spouse? Is, is there a hindering to your spiritual life because there's anger toward what she believes or stands for or her pride? Do you get intimidated sometimes because she loves Jesus more than you? That's what Peter's talking about. So love your wives. But he's not finished. He says this happens in the context of community. The question is, not only are you to love one another, but it is to, it is to be surrounded by this rich black soil of community that caused everything to grow. And, and, and what he does is, is he breaks it down in how are you to treat one another. I, I want to suggest three ways he's, he talks about this. First of all, he says, here's some attitudes I want you to have. Live in harmony. That harmony, if you break the word down, means like-minded or at peace with. Live in harmony with one another. Secondly, he says, live with sympathy. That's a phrase that talks about the hurt in your heart, that you can be with another, a brother or a sister in Christ, and you can pick up the hurt in your heart. Maybe another word that you may understand better is the word empathy. Do you pick up empathy? And then love your brother. Now, remember... Back in Peter's day when Peter had denied Christ three times and, 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 and then Jesus rose from the dead and he said, go up to, to Galilee and go fishing and Jesus appears to them. And three times, just like Peter denied Jesus three times, three times Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter answers twice of those three times, I love you, filial love. 
brotherly love. This is a David Saul, uh, David, David Jonathan love. This is, they are brothers in Christ. They are joined through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ. The, the, their hearts are knit together in, in, through their faith. Do you have love for one another? Filial love? And when that attitude is set, then Peter moves to responses. Can you be compassionate? Tender-hearted? You know, some of us men, you know, that's the way it is, black and white. Can you be humble and courteous? Respectful? He has, actually adds an interesting one. He says, can you bless when you are cursed or when you are insulted? Or do you want to do it right back? I know, I, I, I want to do it right back. You curse me, I'll curse you. You insult me, I'll insult you. He says, no, no. The true community, whenever you're wronged, you bless. And then he does something absolutely fabulous. If you look at your Bible, you'll see that, you're, that this next portion is between verses 10 and 12 is written in a different kind of script. That's what they do when they tell you this, the, that this, this comes from, uh, is a quote from the Old Testament. Peter is quoting the Old Testament. It, it's really interesting, if you like some of the stuff I kind of like, it's really interesting to me because Peter doesn't quote the Hebrew Bible. He, he quotes the Greek Bible called the Septuagint. That, that's his everyday reading Bible. And he quotes the Septuagint, he quotes Psalm 34, and, and, and talks about how you're to live together. But then it ends with this interesting phrase. Interesting phrase is, God's paying attention to you. He sees you, watches you, observes you. He also hears you. Remember, remember what Peter just said? It won't hinder your prayers. Peter kind of wraps up this whole thing with these words. Submit to one another as unto the Lord. Came across a sad story this week. It was about a husband and wife who were married and both claimed to be Christians. He was Mr. Black and White. He was, he, this is the way it is. And, and, and I, I'm not getting emotional. And I, well, he got angry easy, but none of those other things. And, 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 and wasn't always kind to his wife. Wasn't always loving to his wife. Wasn't always considerate to his wife. There was especially one thing that they quibbled over repeatedly. She grew up in a generation where men opened doors for women. Do you remember those kind of days? That a, a woman would walk up and you'd just open the door for her. Or if you got in the car, you'd open the door for her and close it. It's just, it's just a, 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 a loving expression. That's all it was. Every time she asked him to do that for her, he would say this phrase. You've heard it. What? Both of your arms broken or something? Can't do it yourself? And he never did it. A couple years later, she came down with cancer and died. Funeral service happened. A limousine taking her 
casket out to the graveyard came and they loaded it up. Then all the family drove out to the graveyard. Car limousine drove up. And the undertaker was getting things ready so that the coffin could be taken out and placed and then lowered. Just accidentally, unintentionally, not knowing, the undertaker looks at him and he sa- he, they're both standing at the end of the limousine, you know, that big door and the coffin comes out. He says, uh, do you want to open the door for your wife so we can take the coffin out? Hit him like a brick. only time I've ever opened the door for her was when she was in her coffin. <sighs> Peter's talking to you and I about submitting to one another in reverence. He's communicating Jesus' words that the least is the greatest in my kingdom. That if you love this other, you will. Do you? For some of you, the question is, are you submitting? Are you being Christ to others through your actions and attitude and words? For some of you, it's about truly loving him, loving Jesus, so that in your life, you and your partner become equally yoked pulling perfectly together toward God's kingdom. This is the word of Peter for you today. Would you bow in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, this is heavy. Very practical. It's really heavy. I just thank you for each one who's, who's graciously and, 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 and thoughtfully listened to my words. May they more importantly, hear your scripture words. Teach us how to have lovely insides. Teach us what it means to submit to another. Teach us what it means to be Christ in our relationship. Thank you for each one here, and I pray that you would use these words to stir each of us to deeper and richer faith. That's this in Jesus' name.